0: from uh, Mark 29, Twenty Nine mother of James and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on, the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, who will ro- roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, do not be alarmed, you are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised, he is not here. Look, there is the place they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb. For terror and amazement had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. This is the word of the Lord.
1: How are we all today? Good, good good to hear. Let's start off reading the Gospel of Mark by praying. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for what it teaches us. Thank you for this amazing story that we're going to be reading through today. And I pray that the words I speak will bring us all closer to you and your purpose for our lives. In your name, amen. Once upon a time, there was a six-year-old girl. She loved her Barbies, making houses out of boxes, and playing outside at dusk. She was scared of the dark, cleaning her room, and losing to her older brother. One night, she was getting ready for bed. She brushed her teeth turned on her nightlight, and hopped under the covers. Her dad came in to say goodnight like he always did, and she asked him to tell her a story. He came prepared. He had these little cards that told the story of a man with 12 friends, a man who wanted the whole world to know that they were loved and that he would do anything for them, even if his friends turned on him. And as the dad told this story, the little girl was amazed. It changed her life forever. If you've ever had to tell a story like the one I just told, you'll know that there's a standard formula. There's a beginning, once upon a time. There's a middle part where the story peaks, and there's a resolution that neatly ties up all the loose ends and side plots. The standard story with this formula leaves its readers totally satisfied. The end. And from the Mark reading you just heard today, by now you might have realized we're not following that formula today. In the past few weeks, we have looked at the death and the burial of Jesus Christ, and now we're coming back to the resurrection. There are three acts to our reading today. The women going to the tomb, going into the tomb, and coming out of the tomb. It's pretty simple. So let me set the scene. It's Saturday night. Saturday is the Sabbath, and for the Jews, that means it's a holy day. They don't work, they don't cook. The word Sabbath means to end or to rest, but Mary Magdalene, Mary, mother of James, and Salome are anxiously waiting to anoint Jesus' body at the tomb. And as they waited for the Sabbath to end, can you imagine how helpless and heartbroken they must have felt? So when the Sabbath finally ends, the women buy the necessary spices for the anointing of Jesus' body, and they leave first thing Sunday morning to go to the tomb. So we are in Act 1. On the way to the tomb, a question comes up in verse 3. And they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? At first glance, it might look like they only thought of that minor detail when they got to the tomb. If you're like me, you might have thought that someone didn't think the whole plan through. But of course they did. The issue was, there were no men around to do the heavy lifting. The disciples, following Jesus' death, were still in hiding, fearing arrest from the Roman authorities. So, only the women were left. And on their way to the tomb, they stopped short. And thank goodness, the stone is already rolled away. That's great. I would imagine that they're pretty relieved that they didn't have to go into full beast mode and move the stone themselves, because, like it says in verse 4, it was very large. So, the women see that the stone is rolled away, and they go into the tomb We're moving into the second act of our story. Verse 5, And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And these women are alarmed for a reason that's twofold. They're not only in the presence of this young man, this angelic messenger, but guys, Jesus isn't there. They were expecting to find the dead, not the living. They expected to find Jesus dead. definitely not this young man just sitting there. But he comforts the women in verse 6. Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? On a scale of 1 to 10, explanation-wise, this guy's not very big on the details. He's maybe like a 6. He doesn't even introduce himself. He's just stating the facts. Don't be scared. I know you're looking for Jesus, and I know he died. But he's not dead anymore. See? He's not here. He's alive. Let's press pause here and zoom into this moment. Two seconds ago, before meeting this young man, Jesus was dead. And these women were going to anoint his body and they were going to grieve. So, walking into a sort of empty tomb, they're shocked. At this point, they hadn't understood that Jesus would come back to life. He'd mentioned it before, but Who assumes that someone is going to come back to life? That's not normal. So this is shocking news, and they're faced with having to comprehend this angel telling them that someone, Jesus, who they know died, is now alive. But at the same time, this moment is incredible. In this message, the women hear the central truths of the Christian faith, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. These truths spoken by God through the young man become part of the gospel tradition formulated right there in that tomb and passed on to the disciples and passed on to us. Bringing it into our context, the creed that we repeat every Sunday encapsulates the message that these women hear for the first time in that empty tomb. I know you might be really familiar with the creed and you've been saying it for years, Do you remember hearing that story for the first time? These women, these three ordinary women in mourning, and now in shock, this is the first time they hear this story. This is the first time this story is told like this. And these women are entrusted with this amazing, incredible news. The news that's going to be told around the city, the country, The world for thousands of years and these women in that tomb on that Sunday kicked it off for us let's press play again Mary Mary and Salome are shocked so our angelic messenger gives the women a practical task he tells them to go in verse 7 but go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee there you will see him just as he told you And now we complete our story with Act 3. The women flee the tomb. Verse 8 says, In a state of both terror and amazement, they say nothing to anyone because they are afraid. Remember what I said at the start about stories having a particular formula, a standard formula, that the ending should leave the reader satisfied? Well, apparently not this story. Because that's where we're left, at least in Mark's own words. The women flee the tomb, they're scared and they don't say anything to anyone. The end, it seems, is unfinished. We haven't, we haven't seen Jesus. Where's the miraculous meeting? Where's the putting fingers and nail marks just to make sure? Where is Jesus? This confusion was what Mark's ending was like for early Christians. It didn't leave them satisfied. So, if you look in your Bible, you might see that Mark's gospel might continue on with some alternative endings, written in an effort to wrap it all up nicely in a more satisfying resolution. These alternative endings were written later on and by a different person. There's a longer and a shorter version as well. These endings, while not untrue, are not the ending that Mark leaves us with. Mark's ending is a cliffhanger. Mark is not just undersupplying us with details, he's painting the bigger picture. The ending pulls us towards a bigger resolution, a challenge of endurance, a commission to follow, to go. Because if Jesus is no longer dead, then we are called to tell other people that. That young man, that angel, spoke for God. And with that divine message, we can see that all-consuming power and lordship of Christ. He is risen just as he said he would, and it just got real. In the emptiness of the tomb, these women are faced with a wide-open future, a future with a living and powerful God. And we, today, in this room, are faced with that same future, I find this story very relatable because if these women can go and tell the disciples that same story, even without seeing a tangible manifestation of Jesus, then I can too. And we can too. We are called as the church, as followers of Christ, to tell the world the rest of this story, to continue to write endings where young adults turn to Jesus for answers after having exhausted whatever pleasures the world offers where youth engage in Bible studies that challenge their worldviews and pull them into God's love, where our friends are curious about why we live in hope and love others the way that we do, where our families ask, why do you believe in a story that happened over 2,000 years ago? Well, the story isn't over. Mark left empty space for us. He wrote this ending specifically because there is no ending. This is a living story that we're all part of. It's unfolding right in front of us. Yesterday, today, tomorrow. So the night where I became a Christian, I heard the same story that Mary, Mary and Salome heard. I wasn't in a tomb, I was in my bedroom. When I was in 6 years old, when I was 6 years old, sitting in my bed as my dad told me the story of Jesus. I never would have known that that story would stay with me my whole life. That it would influence not just what happens while I live, but also what's going to happen when I die. This story, this incredible story, it secured me in God's grace forever. And it secures you too. Mark's Gospel finishes with this task for the women. Go and tell others about what you heard in this tomb. And the ending isn't finished. The work, it's not finished. We are still called to go and tell the others. And I believe that everyone should hear this story. It changes lives. And I pray that we are made bold enough to take part in this wide open future with a living and powerful God. Let's pray. God, I lift the ministry of St. Tom's up to you. I give you our intentions, our hearts, our minds, our words. I thank you that you have entrusted us to work for your glory and for your kingdom. Through your son, Jesus, you have called us to come to you, to listen to you, to tell others about you. And we are part of this living story that you have drawn us into, even though we are unworthy and afraid a lot of the time. I ask, God, that you inspire us so that we may inspire others and bring them closer to knowing and loving you fully. Give us your strength to be brave and bold for your gospel, like Mark, like our missionaries who have given up so much, like Jesus who gave everything. We are called to continue your story, God, so please remind us that every day as we go out into our weeks. In your name, amen.